welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. You can subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues or leave comments for us. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira for this week's edition. Hi, Gihan. How are you doing? Very well, thanks, Chris. How are you going? I'm really well. Good. Well, as you've uh, probably seen this week, Gihan, I've uh, recently joined uh, the global Web 2.0 phenomenon that is Facebook. Yes. Just in time, because this week we're going to be talking about social networking. That's right, and somebody said you've caved at last. That's right. Uh, I, uh, I arrived on Facebook recently and found uh, a great many of my uh, circle of friends and colleagues uh, already have a presence on Facebook, and uh, one of them, James, who, who invited me to join Facebook several months ago, <laughs> noted that I'd finally caved in and, uh, and joined the Facebook phenomenon. That's right, and I was jealous because he accepted his invitation, not mine. Oh, well... <laughs> Yes, I had three outstanding ones, and I picked one at random, so James was a lucky boy. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, that's what they all say. <laughs> so, yes, I'm, I'm a bit of a latecomer to um, to uh, social networking websites like Facebook and LinkedIn's another website uh, that I joined recently that's also a social networking website. So uh, you can sit in the expert seat this week, and I'll interview you and ask you all about uh, what it is that uh, has made social networking websites so popular. Sure, happy to do that, Chris. And I guess the other one is MySpace as well. That's right. They're the three biggies, aren't they, Gihan? MySpace, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Yes. Yeah. So perhaps we can start by uh, separating them a little bit. What what uh, what do they have in common? What is social networking first off, perhaps? And then what what's distinct about those three big uh, those three big social networking websites? Mm, mm, okay. So I guess if you look at them in in historical order, LinkedIn was the first. In fact, LinkedIn's been around for a few years, even before this whole idea of Web 2.0 and even the phrase social networking. Then came along MySpace, which suddenly took off, and then Rupert Murdoch bought it out. Uh, And then in the last couple of years, the Facebook phenomenon has been incredible, given that it's in some, but there's a bit of overlap with the whole MySpace thing, and yet Facebook is really um, becoming a huge, huge worldwide phenomenon. That's right, it is, isn't it? They seem to have separate demographics though don't they so it's, they're able to coexist they're not necessarily stealing one another's market share are they that's right and if you look at let's well let's start with linkedin so linkedin was the first i remember joining linkedin maybe about five years ago maybe even a little bit longer mm-hmm. so linkedin is a business referral network so it's the way linkedin or the, the idea behind linkedin is the same as people doing live referrals so if you imagine without computers chris i could meet you and have a chat over coffee and let's say I'm meeting you for the first time and you find out a little bit about what I do and you go, hey, I know somebody who could help you. Right. So the idea is that I don't do business with you directly but you happen to know somebody who could be a really good connection for me. Right. Now what LinkedIn does formalize and automates that uh, in some way on the web. So what they do is so, so instead of us meeting physically, we connect through a LinkedIn network, and then I get to see all the other people that you're linked to. Mm-hmm. But the, the secret is, and the, the reason this works, is I cannot contact them directly. I can ask you for a referral to somebody else. Oh, I see. So someone who perhaps I've worked with and um, I know, but is not uh, not linked to you on LinkedIn. It, in order for you to make contact with them, you require 
to, you need to go through me if to me directly. That's right. That's right. In the same way as I don't get access in in, li- in life to everybody that you know, um, but you, you probably wouldn't mind giving me a list of here's here's some people I know, and here's what especially uh, what the area of expertise is, what they can help in, and I but but not any contact details. Right. And I can say to you, Chris, I like this guy here, James. Um, can you put me in touch with him? And uh, then you do. Now right. LinkedIn works the same online. Um, and protects everyone's privacy because I can't get in touch with anyone else in your network except through you. And in fact, it goes a number of levels, Chris. So I have a friend of mine, Ed, who read a read a book about e-business, and he wanted to get in touch with the author. He found out that she was on LinkedIn, and LinkedIn told her, uh, told Ed, that there were four steps, like four degrees of separation between yeah. him and the author, and I was one of those links. Okay. So he was able to say to each of the three people in between, uh, in between me and her, um, hey, I'd like to talk to this author and congratulate her on this great book that she's written. Um, do you mind referring me? So he wrote to me. Mm-hmm. I passed the referral on to the next person in the link. She would have passed on to the next person in the link who would eventually pass it on to the author. So in that way, every step, every step in the link was protected and uh, was private, but Ed would still be able to go and talk to his author. Right, excellent. If and that did work in that, in that particular example, yes. he managed to contact the author in that. Yes, excellent. because it relies on uh, the trusted connections between each pair. Yeah. So Ed and I, so if Ed emails me and says, can you, can you connect me to the next person in the link, I think it's up to me to decide whether this is somebody I want to connect up. And if it's not, I can just ignore that request. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so if, for instance, the person next in the chain knew the author didn't want to be pestered by whatever, by whomever, then they could have uh, left it at that. That's right, okay. exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the whole idea behind LinkedIn. It's from that whole idea of everyone's connected by six degrees of separation, mm-hmm. everyone on the planet. And this is a way of um, adding a little bit of flexibility and adding a little bit of ease of access to, uh, to people who you, don't, who you don't know, but people you know might know. Right, okay. And so I joined LinkedIn recently and, mm-hmm. and sort of went about hunting for various colleagues that I'd worked with in the past or been to university and other friends and, and built up the network quite quickly in that fashion. I noticed that as part of that you could also make recommendations, uh, particularly for people you'd worked with in the past or, or were colleagues of in the past. So how, how important is that? In, in that's the, in very the... important. So the idea about LinkedIn is that you can, the first thing you do is you send it your whole address book and it finds people who are already on LinkedIn and gives you the opportunity to invite people who aren't. So it sends a little email message to everyone mm-hmm. in your address book, if you, if you choose to. Mm-hmm. So you can choose who you send it to. But you can choose to send it to people and say, hey, please join my LinkedIn network. And that's the first step. So then you end up with a whole bunch of connections. But the real value is that then you go and write a little testimonial for each of the people that you connected to and ask them to do the same for you. Right, okay. Um, because again, it comes, let's go back to that example, Chris. If I would like to find somebody to help me out with something and I go to your list of connections, if all I see is just their names and who they worked for, that may not be enough. Right. But if I see your endorsement of them, then that might trigger that person for me to be the one I request a link with. Okay, right, yeah. So it, to, to make it work, you have um, ideally, you, you should do that. So okay. you should start... Endorsing other people, asking for endorsements in return. Right. Well, I'm happy to receive your endorsement, Gihan, as, as soon as you're ready to give it. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Something else that I noticed was that amongst the, the, uh, the, the connections I made on LinkedIn, that yours stood out in so far as a 
and maybe it's because you joined five years ago, I don't know, but you have a couple of hundred um, people in your network, whereas most others um, are around 20 or 30, so you really stood out in that regard. Is that uh, as a part of, because of a conscious effort on your part to really build that network, or because you've been on there for five years, which is quite a long time compared with most? It is. It's a mix of, it's a mix of the two, and uh, it's also about being a bit discerning, and we'll talk about that when we get to Facebook as well, Chris. But it's a mix of the two. So it's, it's a, partly because I've just got everyone in my network, so in my address book, almost everybody, and I asked them to connect. And a lot of people didn't because at the time they were wondering whether it was spam or whether there was some sort of scam involved. So a number of them wrote to me and said, hey, is this really you? Right. We're just double-checking, so they actually emailed me specifically. But over time, more and more people have connected to me. So mostly it's a case of age. I'm an oldster on the Internet <laughs> or on LinkedIn. So, yeah, def- definitely the, the reason that I've got lots of connections and when I say lots, it's not thousands, it's a few hundred, mm-hmm. is, is mostly as a result of time. Right. Um, and also, as a, just come back to the point about being discerning, because LinkedIn's a business network, I'm quite happy to, anyone I know, if they ask, ask to be connected through LinkedIn, I'm quite happy to say, yep, I'm happy to be connected to you. People I don't know, I won't accept. Right. Because then they can contact me directly and I don't want that. But people I know, whether they're personal connections, whether they're business connections, whether they're old girlfriends, whether they're whatever they are, uh, whoever they are, as long as I know them, I'm happy for them to be a link. And, right. and part of the reason for that is that all they know about me is what I put on my public profile on LinkedIn, which is not very much. It's about my business, but it's, it's in effect a CV or resume. Right, okay. So uh, your social activities and so forth uh, are something you reserve for a network like Facebook. That's right, exactly. And if we talk about Facebook, the difference between LinkedIn and Facebook, so LinkedIn is a business referral system. Facebook is a private web page, which only your friends can see. Yeah, so that's something I noticed. I received various invites to join Facebook, and when I followed those links, um, I I couldn't see what... uh, I couldn't see your page on Facebook. I couldn't see James's page on Facebook. So that that was one of the holding, one of the points that, one of the reasons for me not uh, immediately joining Facebook. I, I sort of wasn't 100 percent sure what it was all about, and mm. so I just left it until mm. we decided we'd talk about it on our podcast. So, yeah, what's uh, Facebook's reason for doing that? Do you think? Well, I I think it's, it serves a completely different purpose. It, it, it was set up at Harvard as a as a tool for students. Uh, to keep in touch with each other. Mm-hmm. So it was meant to be completely in-house, only, f- only for Harvard's undergrads and grads, mm-hmm. um, basically for students. So in, And there's some historical stuff which you can still see, so you can say what classes you're taking. Yeah. Even though it's become a much bigger public network now, it still has a little bit of that historical flavor to it. But the, the idea with Facebook is that you do disclose some of your personal things. So people will know... Um, what I thought about the Australian election, people will know, you can say what your religious affiliations are, you can talk about things that you like, things that you don't like, you can have um, conversations with each other, which you can choose to make public to other people in your network. Right, yes. Um, When I was away on holidays in October, I would send little updates every couple of days saying where I was and what I was doing. I'd, I'd post photos from my trip because I've been in internet cafes and just upload a few photos. Right. Now, that, that, that's, all, that's all well and good, but I don't want to let people outside my trusted network know about that. I mean, it's like advertising 
hey, by the way, the house is empty for four weeks. Yep. So I don't want other people to get access to that. Right, and so is there any, are there any steps with regard to Facebook that you need to do to make sure that it is only your trusted circle of friends who can find out that sort of information? Mm. Or is that the default position for, for a Facebook profile? The interesting thing is that Facebook has a lot of privacy options, most of which you have to tick yourself. Right. So it has a default setting, uh, but the default setting allows people to see quite a lot people you don't invite to see quite a lot. So, for example, Chris, we both went to the University of Western Australia. So there is a network on Facebook, a network named UWA. Yes, I've joined that one. That's right. Great. Now, if you don't do, if you haven't set any of your privacy settings on on your uh, on your on your personal profile, people in the UWA network, uh, other people in the UWA network, even people you haven't connected with, can see quite a lot about of your Facebook entry. Right. Okay. And and so what? Which which is something I haven't done. So yes. is that something you advise? You would advise people Definitely. to do is to uh, if they start up on Facebook or already using it to ensure that they've got their privacy settings uh, tuned up a bit. That's right. Because I think most people go onto Facebook and once they figure out what it's about, they they think it's one of two settings. Either it's what my friends can see or what nobody can see. But actually, right. there's an, there's another step. As soon as you join a network, like I joined the Australian network, I joined the UWA network because I'm a member of both those communities in real life, those networks also have a little bit of a, like a middle, mid-level access. Not as much as your friends, but more than strangers. Okay. Well, and it's actually quite a lot if you're not careful. Well, that's something I'll need to look into then. Yep. Yes. So, in fact, what I've done, Chris, is I think almost every setting, maybe every setting, I've just set it to friends only. Right. Okay. Um, and it's interesting, like the word friends, um, like LinkedIn uses the term connections, Facebook calls them friends, and I've noticed that some people don't make it only about their friends. So some people are quite happy to invite business colleagues or clients even, uh, and I've made a decision, a decision myself, that I'm only going to, like Facebook is for personal stuff, so only people who are my personal friends or right. family, uh, I'm going to accept their invitations. The others I ignore. Right. Right, you do ignore them. That's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, although although you work for yourself, most people would work for an employer. And um, I read an article recently, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was from from the um, Slashdot newsfeed, about what happens when you do receive uh, an invite or or someone from your workplace, particularly if it's your boss, asks you to uh, ask to join your your friend network, (laughs) that you decide to spurn them. How, How is that going to play out? That's right. I mean, there's a couple of things. Like, one is that Facebook won't tell your boss that you've rejected him or her. Okay. So it doesn't say say so-and-so is ignored. It just silently ignores them. Right. So they don't know whether you've not read it or whether you've actually deliberately chosen not to respond. Until you Um, turn up at work the next day and your boss says... (laughs) That's right. Hey, let's go go over to your computer and click the button to say yes. Yes. That's right. But the other thing is that that is a real issue. It's a real issue. About, and it has it has happened where people put photos that I say appropriate for themselves and among their friends of them being drunk at parties, yes. which employers have seen, and it's caused problems in the workplace mm-hmm. um, because they weren't careful about uh, separating their personal life from their work life. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So as you say, those privacy issues come in; those privacy settings come into play in that regard, as well as being choosy about who you enter your network. That's right. And, and also the information that you do provide to um, on your Facebook profile as well. That's right. Now, I know other people who've chosen a different, 
a different mindset than I. As long as I think the, the secret is, Chris, you choose, you decide up front what your policy is going to be. Mm-hmm. And I know other people have chosen a different policy. I know people, um, I work with a lot of professional speakers, and there's a worldwide organization of professional speakers and people i guess because of the work they do they're often traveling to different countries and they get to know people around the world Mm -hmm. and i know some of my clients who are professional speakers who are quite happy to accept colleagues professional speaking colleagues into their networks Um, and i guess they've just got to be careful then uh, that they don't post very personal information or information that they would only make available to their friends but not even their professional colleagues yeah yeah uh, and I've just decided my policy is no friends only, which means I'm a little bit um, less careful about what I post. I'm happy to post family photos. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to post holiday photos. I'm happy to grumble and groan about things. Right. And I uh, just think you've got to be careful if you don't if you don't have that policy in mind. Yeah. And it's something that we touched on in a pod- one of our earlier podcasts, wasn't it? That, uh, in general, that the internet is a very public place, and that you know it's a it's, uh, policy that applies uh, not just on Facebook or MySpace or something like that, it's that you're, you're conducting yourself in what is essentially a public forum, so you need to make sure that you're happy with your behaviour in that sense. That's exactly right, and it's so much easier now to be accidentally exposed. Mm. In the past it wasn't. In the past you would rely on somebody like searching for a private web page if they want to dig up some dirt on you, whereas now tools like Google are just so clever that people do search and your page will accidentally appear. Mm. Um, without you realising or without them even intending to find it. That's right. Unfortunately, our parents blessed us with distinctive surnames and forenames, so we're fairly easy to find just using something like Google. That's right. Mm. That's right. Um, The other thing about Facebook is that it is one of the big differences between that and LinkedIn is Facebook is, its purpose is to give you a presence and then connect you up with your friends, Um, whereas LinkedIn doesn't give you that presence as such. I mean, LinkedIn... Uh, recently has allowed you to build a bit more information into your profile, but that was never its, in, it's never its intent. It was really about connections and referrals. Right. So part of the LinkedIn philosophy is that it is more open. So strangers can see my profile. They just can't contact me except through my, my little network, my connections. Yep. So I set up this protective layer around me in terms of contact, but not in terms of visibility. Right, okay. Returning to Facebook then, something that I've, I've noted um, since joining is that um, one of the things that you can do is add these cute little, cute is the word for it too, uh, tools to uh, your profile. So for instance, um, one of the first things I added was the LinkedIn, so I can actually see my LinkedIn profile mm. from um, my Facebook profile um, and also another website which is a bit of a social network I suppose which is last.fm which is a music based website which tracks the music I listen to again I've got a a tool plugged into my Facebook profile that um, lists the music I've been listening to recently so there seems to be uh, an absolute plethora of these little widgets and tools that you can um, plug into your Facebook profile so what's that all about? And in fact that's the thing that's made Facebook so popular it's really, like, it's, for the last couple of years, it's been growing steadily. And then it took off in May this year, which is May 2007, because it suddenly opened up, their, they created an, ap- an API, an interface, for anybody to, to link into Facebook. So any web developer or anybody who had an interesting website could optionally make themselves available to any Facebook user. Right. Um, and, you know, the numbers are staggering increase in terms of Facebook's value. I just heard recently that Microsoft have just bought... 
a tiny stake in Facebook for a quarter of a million dollars. Right. Now it's that is right. No, sorry, not a quarter of a million dollars. Two hundred and yeah, no, two hundred and forty million. A quarter, quarter of a billion. billion dollars. Right, and that's a tiny slice. And when I say tiny, like one point six percent. Awesome. Right, which makes if you multiply that, I mean that that would make Facebook worth a gazillion dollars. Yes. <laughs> right, but it's actually not that. And I guess what Microsoft want is some way to get the eye, get to the eyeballs of the people and you know, to all the Facebook users. Mm-hmm. So they're not suggesting that. Really, it's worth a quarter of a billion dollars. They just they've just bought a token ownership, so they get some access into Facebook. Yeah. Um, so it's in, it's incredibly it's incredibly valuable, and the owners have kept turning down offers, billion dollar offers, to sell. Right. Um, because they see the poten- because he sees the potential of it. Um, now coming back to your to your point about these little applications that are plugging in, that's part of the reason. So Facebook, and I guess this is one of the differences between Facebook and MySpace. Um, MySpace is still a closed environment. So if you would like, uh, like favorite music, si- uh, favorite music, or something like LinkedIn on your on your MySpace account, it's up to the MySpace developers to build it in. Right. Whereas with Facebook, um, I, for example, I play Scrabble with people around the world. Uh, because there's a website called Scrabulous, which decided there would be a really good idea to get linked into the face, get linked to the Facebook network, and so they've added the application in there. And other Facebook developers didn't have to do anything, yeah. and suddenly there's millions of people playing Scrabble around the world through Facebook. So Scrabulous got eyeballs by virtue of uh, people doing using Scrabulous via Facebook. Absolutely, yeah. And you can still do it through like the Scrabulous website, but because everyone's looking at Facebook. They they piggybacked on that on the popularity of Facebook. Yes. There are other websites. Uh, we I don't think we mentioned it before, Chris, but there's a site called Shelfari, mm-hmm. where you can load up your library of books, books that you've read, books that you're reading, books that you'd like to read. You write reviews, you comment on other people's reviews, and again, that's a it's kind of a startup site, but they're getting a lot of traction because again they they created a little plugin to Facebook. Right. So that's part of what's made Facebook very popular. So, on the popularity front, Kehan, I mean, it's as I said, I was late to late to the party in terms of social networking websites, and to a degree, I still I still don't get it. I can understand, you know, that it's kind of cute, and and so I can go and write on the walls of other people, and it's it's a bit like a, a, an extended version of email. So rather than sending email messages to my various friends, I can or picking up the telephone and talking to them, or meeting mm-hmm. them at a at a cafe. I can stay in contact with them in various funky ways through Facebook, but uh, but you know I'm not sure that I would necessarily um, devote a huge amount of time to it. And yet, yet millions upon millions of people are. Mm-hmm. And it sort of as as we as we've said in previous podcasts, you know, we've been using the internet since since it was born. But um, even so, one thing we haven't been doing is using the internet since we were born. And there are people who have really generation wise as they're called who've grown up with the internet and I guess they're the people who are really using Facebook all the time it's it's really is part of their social life whereas for me and perhaps for you as well it's it augments our social lives whereas for other people it really is front and center yeah that, that's right I don't know but um, I'm not speaking for myself Chris but you're old <laughs> yes okay that's why that's it. Yeah, we're, we're both, that's why I don't get it. That's right. We're both generation, generation X's. And as you said, the Gen Y's, which is the more the younger generation. Um, in fact, I've heard generational speakers on generational differences mm-hmm. say that this is the first, that the Gen Y's are the first generation where technology tools are 
are personal rather than business tools. So right. like we use business, we used things like email and discussion, well, not in business but at university, so more as part of a professional life rather than a personal life. And now this spilled over into personal life, that's but that's not true for the for the Gen Ys. And like I've got a, I've got the next generation as a nephew and niece. You know, you know Abby and Riley. That's Chris. right. And in fact, I was over at their house yesterday, and we were watching Bob the Builder on my iPod. Okay. That's right. Now two meters away from a big TV where they could watch it. Uh, without having to stick earphones in their ear and without having to watch it on a little matchbox-sized screen. Uh, but they did it because they just love technology. And so they they use an iPod. When my mum saw it, she said, oh, I've never seen anything like that before. Uh-huh. But for them, it's just like, well, get with it. It's just, a, yeah. it's just an iPod. <laughs> right? And uh, and I think that's the difference. It absolutely is that they, um, Generation Y, and like people who are now getting onto technology are getting onto it because it's part of their life, not part of their professional life. Yeah, so I, that, as you say, that's, that's the difference, isn't it, from our generation to their generation and the generation that precedes ours, our parents' generation. Yes, and, and I noticed, Chris, with Facebook, when I was travelling in Europe recently, I took a little pocket PC with me, mm-hmm. and um, I remember sitting in a cafe in Paris, which had wireless internet access, and I was able to log into my Facebook profile and Facebook has created a mobile version of its website. Because, you know, Facebook's quite an attractive website. It's quite heavy and intensive in terms of you can have lots and lots of pictures on the page. Mm-hmm. But it's got the mobile version, which allows you to up, uh, just update your status, and send little email messages and things like that. So they've thought about the fact that there are people who are not just sitting at their, at their desks with fast broadband connections connecting to their, connecting to their Facebook profile. So they're catering for people who are going to be doing things um, remotely and, sorry, not remotely, but in a mobile way, maybe on their iPhone. You know, it was out before the iPhone, but now the iPhone will allow you to update Facebook profile directly. Right, yep. Uh, We should probably also talk about um, the other big social networking website, which is MySpace. It's not not a network that I've used, um, but uh, again, it's it's a different, different kind of social networking website from Facebook and LinkedIn too, isn't it? It is, it is. And I think the big difference is that Facebook is private, MySpace is public. Right. So the, the idea of MySpace is that you can create a web page, a presence on the web. Anyone can do it very easily and gives you a number of templates. You can customize colors and layout and so on. And it's public, so people will advertise on their business cards. Here's my MySpace address. I, right. I saw a film director recently who has a new film coming out this year and he's created a MySpace page for that film. Okay. So instead of him going out and getting somebody to create a website for him, he has created a MySpace page for it. I've noticed that um, a lot of ba- uh, music bands and um, artists, comedians, it tends to uh, have a lot of sort of performers tend to congregate on MySpace as opposed to Facebook. Uh, yes, and I guess the other thing is that you don't see a lot of symphony orchestras on there. Right. They're bands and performers and say, comedians who are catering to the, for that under-40 audience because it's, it's, it's a huge majority of the, the demographic of MySpace is under-40s, okay. very much so. I mean, very much more than Facebook. I guess one of the other differences, and there's a little bit of a snob, um, snob appeal to this, like Facebook seems to be more for, it's like, um, it's like MySpace for smart people. <laughs> right, okay. I've well, heard it described that way. I was attracted to uh, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. Or MySpace for grown-ups. Right. 
Uh, but really, that like Facebook gives you a lot less control over the layout of your profile and the way your page looks because it's not so much about the look of your page. They say it's about the content that you've got on there. Now, MySpace says it's both. Right, right. So I guess we're getting near to the end of our time for today's podcast. Mm-hmm. Is there any advice you'd give to people who were either using social networks like LinkedIn, Facebook, MySpace and so forth, and for any beginners like myself who are contemplating the leap into uh, social networking? Mm. Well, I, I, think it's, uh, I think LinkedIn and Facebook are both good. So LinkedIn for your professional network and Facebook for your personal life. It's To join Facebook takes a couple of minutes and LinkedIn the same. It's, it's not That's a complicated right. thing to do, to join. Um, and just do it to experience it um, because it is, it is really changing the, the face of the way that people are using the Internet at a social level, like Facebook, for example. Yeah. And just, just join it. And then you've done that, Chris. Like you've joined, you've connected up with the people who've not only sent you invitations, but you've probably found a few other people as well I have, yeah. and connected up with them. And just play around with it. And I know a number of people who've done it, they've joined, and then after a couple of weeks they got sick of it and they just don't, don't, don't use it anymore. And I think that's okay. That's okay. You know, you don't have to spend all your time on, in your virtual life. You can spend some time in real life as well. That's right. Um, but I think you can mix them. And uh, I find Facebook useful because I see what my friends are up to. So you might talk about going to the Gold Coast, for example, and you may not share that with me, but if I see that on, on your Facebook profile, and I know that I happen to be there that same week, um, we can connect. I know that's happened to people. I know friends of mine who just thought, oh, I'm going to be there as well. Let's connect. And they'd never thought to send a broadcast email to everybody. Right. So they find, it's, they find it's quite useful. So I would suggest with Facebook, join up. Just have a go. And if you decide it's not for you or it's just a waste of time and it's, there's no value in it, fine, no problem at all. Um, but it really is something that lots of people are using now. Yes. And for the amount, the tiny amount of effort to find out what it is, it just seems silly not to. Okay. Um, LinkedIn is a little bit more serious in terms of you getting value from it. If you join up and you don't do anything apart from just connect to everyone in your address book, nothing will happen. Right. Um, almost literally nothing will happen. For the first couple of years, I didn't do anything. I just... Somebody invited me, I accepted, joined, and didn't do very much with it. It's only when you start doing things like endorsements and actually looking for referrals that it actually works for you. Okay. All right. Right. Well, thanks for that, Gihan. You're welcome. And we'll talk again in a couple of weeks. We will, and we'll have a new topic of conversation. We probably would have one more podcast before Christmas. Yes. So I won't wish you a happy Christmas just yet, Chris. No worries. Good. Talk to you soon, Gihan. Thanks a lot. Bye Bye for now. You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.